Hello, and welcome back to Love in Quarantine. I am your host, Carly Shortino. So something that's been new for me during this period is that I've been cooking a lot. And I know that this is a million other people's experience. Like I've seen 5,000 memes about it, but it surprises me that I'm cooking so much because I have a little bit of a complicated history with food. Like I grew up in this big Italian-American family where food was a primary way that people expressed love. Like my dad is this incredible cook and he loves it and, and my grandmother too. And she would cook, I would go to the garden and pick all the fresh vegetables and then cut everything. And, you know, this big family would congregate around these spreads of food and it was a primary way that people connected with each other. But then when I was 18, I moved to London and I went ostensibly to go to college, but then I dropped out literally after one semester. Glamorous. And then I didn't want to go home, but I didn't have any money. So I started squatting. If you don't know what squatting is, it's basically when you occupy an abandoned building or residence that you don't own. Like basically you break into somewhere and just live there for free. So I squatted for the next six years in a variety of different buildings, like primarily an old elevator factory and then also an abandoned hostel. I lived with like roughly 15 other people, mostly young artists um, who never actually made any art, which I feel like is like my favorite genre of artist. So anyway, when we were squatting, we identified as free... (laughs) Freegans. Um, embarrassing. So basically, freegan is a combo of the words free and vegan. And the idea is basically that you're rejecting consumerism by lowering waste by eating literal trash. So we would, at the end of the day, go and raid the dumpsters of supermarkets. And that is essentially what I ate primarily for years to come. My parents were unsurprisingly, already not fans of my life choices. But I think the part that they were most horrified by was how I was eating. Like for these people who have so much pride in their food, like the fact that I was scraping out-of-date tuna sandwiches from the bottom of a dumpster was so triggering for them. But for me, food just fell under this umbrella of stuff that I was rejecting from my upbringing, like small town, domesticity, religion, and and food was just lumped in with those things. And that really continued on for another decade in which I spent horrifying amounts of money on deli sandwiches and omelets and sweet green from hell. But then like six months ago, I don't know what was going on, but I was like, maybe I'll get crazy and like make myself some pasta. So I went to the stove to try and boil some water and it wouldn't turn on. And I called for my boyfriend. I was like, the stove's not turning on. I think it's broken. And he was like, wait, dude, the stove's not broken. It's just never worked. And you've lived here for over two years now and you just didn't notice. But fast forward to a couple months ago and now quarantine has me in this situation where I'm cooking dinner for like me and my boyfriend literally every single night. And I'm so creeped out by the fact that I really like it. And it's kind of a sexual identity crisis for me in a way because I just always had this idea that domesticity was the end of eroticism. Like the second you start making giant soups on Sunday night and eating it for the rest of the week, like your sex life is over. But I guess that's not true. I don't know. I mean, it's at least not true thus far. And so this got me thinking about how for a lot of us, quarantine has pushed us to reassess our priorities and we're taking on new roles, right? Like both in our lives and in our relationships. So this is what I'm going to be talking about a little bit today with my guest, Ryan who's a really good friend of mine. His name is Ryan O'Connell. He's the creator and star of the series Special on Netflix. It's a semi-autobiographical show about a guy with cerebral palsy who's struggling to accept his disability in order to move on to a deep and meaningful life of sex and blogging, which I relate to, um, at least the sex and blogging part. So here goes. 
how is quarantine going for you? I know that this is a, a, a very big question. But in general, what's your mental health like? Well, like Sheryl Crow once said, every day is a winding road. Um, and I'd have to say, yeah, that road is windy as fuck. But I think I'm settling in. I think the first couple of weeks were so psychotic and I was feeling so unhinged. But what's interesting about quarantine and like mental health is it's like not linear whatsoever. Like I have mostly good days, but then some days I will just be psychotically anxious and like depressed for like, <laughs> I was gonna say for no reason when there clearly is so many reasons. Um <laughs> <laughs> and and then that will be just the day. But overall, good. <laughs> <laughs> the takeaway is I'm thriving. I heard somebody the other day describe it as grief. You were talking about how you're, the feeling is nonlinear. Yeah. And I talk about Joan Didion all the time. She's one of my favorite writers since she wrote this book, The Year of Magical Thinking, that's about grief and about how grief or mourning is nonlinear. Like you would think that if someone dies or if you break up with someone that every single day after the breakup or the death that you will feel a little bit better, but that the reality is that it's completely erratic. And then you can have good days and bad days. And a year later, you can suffer more than you've ever suffered before. And I think a lot of us are grieving in a certain way, like grieving the loss of your job, grieving seeing your friends, your family. There, there's so many things that we've lost. I mean, do you relate to that at all? I know that you were shooting your show and then all of this happened. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. Like, I was shooting my show. My show did get shut down. We have four episodes left to shoot. God knows when the fuck we'll be allowed on set, which is basically a day spa for germs to like live, laugh, thrive. There is this sort of like devastation I have about like the show being unfinished. There is definitely waves of grief, for sure. I mean, because I think beyond it, it's like when this lifts and things go back to quote-unquote normal, I think the landscape will have changed so much. I think that a lot of our favorite restaurants and shops will have shut down and bars and this and that. I I don't think we're ever going to be going back to life as we knew it. I think that really is gone. And I know that sounds like a dramatic thing to say, but it's sort of true. And we're also kind of going to enter this huge recession that I don't think anyone has really seen, even though we've lived through the 2008 recession. That's, I think, what kind of scares me the most is like what the world looks like after this is over, because I think that's going to be a fucking shit show. Right. Right. And I do think grieving that, I mean, I don't think that that's surprising. And I think it's hitting a lot of people, like you said, at different points. So your quarantine status is you're living with your boyfriend. Is there one of you that's freaking out about this more? Or are you guys, how are you guys handling this differently? Oh my God. My (laughs) boyfriend in a way that makes my blood boil, like I'm full steamboat Willie. It's like, thriving like my boyfriend is like (laughs) my boy my boyfriend is like fully addicted to quarantine like it's like the best thing that's ever happened to him basically what happened was it's like he was working this kind of soul-sucking job that he really hated and then he sold a novel right before the quarantine hit so he actually is now just working from home and writing and working on his book for the first time in like years like writing writing is his full-time job which is which you know whereas before it was always a nights and weekends journey but now ironically in quarantine he actually has restored some balance into his life and he's like exercising and cooking and just like reading for pleasure like he truly is like the best he's ever been and it's like (laughs) It's like, it's honestly the rudest thing. It's honestly the rudest thing to ever happen to me. Cause like I'm having like 40,000 mini emotional breakdowns per day. I actually think beyond 
you know, being a little annoyed that he's having such a no issue adapting. I actually think it's a good thing because I think if we were both freaking out the way that I'm freaking out, uh, it would not be helpful. Okay, so you've been together for over five years or just, all right, whatever, like roughly five years. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Have you guys ever spent this much time together in a sustained way? No, but... But it's so interesting. I remember my friends were doing this like little meme thing of like couples stuck in quarantine. And like the joke is like, well, you just like flip off the camera because you're like annoyed to be spending so much time with your partner. And my friend was like, can you do this? Like, it's funny. And me and Jonathan were like, but it's not true. Like, I'm like, he's like, but I'm not angry at you. And I'm like, I'm not angry at you either. <laughs> and like, I feel like we have like a scarlet letter, which is like W for being like well matched. Like we don't like really fight yes we we bicker obviously and we get on each other's nerves but it's so minor and honestly like we still have so much fun together I know it sounds really corny but like we just do even in quarantine but again I feel like guilty even saying this or like when you say this like it's like oh but then you found out he was fucking the nanny you fucking idiot or whatever like I, I feel like it's like not chic to admit like how much you enjoy being around your partner and how you don't have that many problems And, like, we do have problems. I'm not saying that we don't. But, like, we are just, like, well-suited to spend a lot of time together. We just are. I do think that it's funny that the internet's take on couples living together is these, like, listicles, like, top ten ways to not murder your partner while in quarantine. And it's like... I do do think that's strange. Um, (laughs) It's it's really weird. Fighting with your partner and, like, going crazy and getting on each other's nerves. It's, like, supposed to be, like, chic. It's like, you know, that whole thing of like, plans canceled? That's my new heroine. Oh my God, I don't like to go out. I'm such a misanthrope. It's like a status symbol. I think that there is a lot of truth in, well, first of all, in China, you know, post-quarantine, divorce rates spiked because the assumption was that people were just spending a ton more time together. I think for people who don't work from home ever, that the transition of spending all day together is is a lot. I've worked from home for my whole life. And my boyfriend goes through periods of time where he's also working from home. So we are used to that. And I do think that you have to find your own ways of taking space. So once you're used to spending a lot of time together in the house, you (laughs) like, we just, if I'm feeling freaked out or annoyed or annoying, I'll just be like, I need to take a break and then go in the other room and you learn not to take it personally. And you learn that some days you're just not going to, you know, hang out with each other that much. And then you'll sit together and have a dinner. But then some days you'll be together all day. And I think that these are not skills that everybody has, because why would you? You have to learn those skills. I think also like Jonathan and I are familiar with the work from home scenario. So this is actually not that new. But also we are so lucky because we live in a two story apartment and having two stories is essential because what happens is as I I write upstairs and he writes downstairs and we can go hours without seeing each other seriously and even like not even hearing each other like it's like I'm in my own little studio apartment he's in his own little studio apartment so in a way it's like not that different we're like during the day we like barely see each other and then at night we come together and then it's great on the weekends now like on friday night our ritual is that like we always order delivery it's like our one treat like once a week like fun 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 and you know carly that's shocking for us because we used to eat out every single meal i've been thinking a lot recently about how people's roles and needs are shifting during this time you know you're talking about cooking i've i also never cooked you know i would make myself like sandwiches and cereal but 
Uh, I, don't, I, mean, I think people who probably cook are triggered that I even reference that under the umbrella of cooking. I've weirdly liked taking on these new roles. So I was listening to something recently about how in the past, homes used to be a place of production. You grow your own food. People make clothing. My grandparents, for example, my, gran- my grandfather had an enormous garden and they made their own wine. And my grandmother would sew scarves and sweaters. It's just this place where things are generated. And in recent years in America, homes have just become a place of consumption. I am a complete victim of that. I like outsource so many things. And I'm finding that cooking food for like my boyfriend and going out of my way to try and make things that he likes or cleaning up that these things actually are really like grounding and fun and loving. And that, I don't know, that, that, that this provider role, it's like, oh, why didn't I think to do this before? It's a nice realization. Yeah, that's our journey to a T. I mean, before the pandemic, we were like truly like useless human garbage cans that like, like did not cook, did like only like we didn't cook. Like we didn't know. This is like not a joke. I'm like, I feel like when I say these things, it's like a bit or like I'm cosplaying as like Carrie Bradshaw being like, my evidence for copies of Vogue. I feel like when you're younger, this is like, this is all kind of like, lol, I'm inept because I'm just so interesting. And like my life is so weird and not conventional. But I think at like 33, it becomes like, oh, you're just like delayed and like have no life skills, right? So this is like further compounded by the fact that I have cerebral palsy. So in terms of like cooking, it's like, I... I'm like a little scared of it. Like I also have, compar- I have two disabilities. I have compartment syndrome, which basically like in my case means that like half my hand works. So like cooking vegetables and like prepping things, is like not really my journey and like isn't very safe for me. So I've always been a little bit scared of cooking in terms of like, just, I just don't think that I'd be like well equipped for it in terms of my disabilities. But in pandemic times, obviously, we knew that we couldn't order delivery every night. So we started doing these like meal kit delivery services. And it's been a game changer. First of all, I'm still doing nothing. Let's put it like, let's be clear about that. I'm still not cooking. But Jonathan has like, fully like, been like the homemaker of that, like, and like, been cooking every single night. And like, he's getting really good. I mean, even though it's like, he's following a recipe, like you can still fuck that up. Trust me. And like, I just, I'm so touched by how much he's, like, shown up for me. And, like, he basically kind of just, like, takes care of me. I mean, he's always taking care of me in some way. But it really does feel like he's he's really taken on the role of, like, being the nurturer and the provider and, like, the homemaker. And I just, I'm very, very touched by it. It really is, like, a new chapter in our relationship. And it'll be interesting to see what we go back to when this is over, oh my God, in like four or five, four years or whatever, I wonder if we'll go back to being those bitches that orders delivery every night and never cooks. I, I don't think we will because I think also once you get into this, you realize how wasteful you were before and how also there's just real power in being in the home and having it smell nice and, you know, with, with the smells of cooking and, and this real kind of togetherness and back to basics vibe is really, really amazing. I, I just feel more like a person now. Also, it's so expensive. Oh my God, um, I know. And it's so, yeah, it's like now I just look at my bank account and I'm like, wait, it's the same. 
as I know. a couple days no, ago. No, I know. I'm, I'm used to I'm used to looking at my bank account every like five days, being like, oh, like you know, like like panic and like what have what have I done? What have I done? And now I like look at it and I'm like, oh, she's literally the same. I'm sure Chase is like calling me like tomorrow, being like, are you okay, babe? Like, what's happening? <laughs> it's like all it took was a global pandemic for me not to like spend thousands of dollars on Uber rides and takeout. Also, we were talking about the other day that. Because of your cerebral palsy that you usually get massages for, you know, to sort of keep your body loose, right? And then also for your body to perform optimally that you that you kind of need help. Is that true? Yeah, I think it takes a lot of maintenance to keep my body running because part of having cerebral palsy, at least for me, is I have really tight muscles. So getting getting body work done once a week it just keeps everything good and if i go a long time without it i can really feel the difference in terms of the tightness and stuff like that and i also beyond getting massages go to this place called stretch lab where they just basically stretch the fuck out of you for like 45 minutes and um it's like it's it's painful as hell but i'm still having like my fitness journey at home you know and i'm like going on long walks and um jonathan is like stretching me now which i'm like fully addicted to well he was like he initially was like because i was i was really nervous i was like i really am worried about not getting body work i'm really worried about not having stretching i feel like my body's going to be in a lot of like pain and discomfort and he initially was like let me give you a massage and i was like okay ew for some reason i was like so grossed out by it because i just like i don't know there was something about him trying something so earnestly that he's never done before and like it also, like, I think my brain immediately went to, like, Sade, Lover's Rock, it trying to be, like, a romantic thing, which grossed me out. And then, like, I got over that because, like, I was like, okay, like, I actually do need to get stretched. And so we haven't had, like, a real massage moment, but he does stretch me, like, and it's um, it's really nice. And honestly, like, anyone can do it. You don't need to be, like, skilled for that. Like, you just were like, I mean, I, I know the stretches that I need in order to feel loose. Yeah, he just, he stretches me every morning. It's very sweet. <laughs> That is really sweet. I mean, this is a perfect example, right, of like sort of new new needs and new roles in the relationship. It's interesting that you were resistant to him doing it at the beginning. Do you think it's because not just well, it's like vulner- it's you, vulnerability? It's, it's and independence, right? Yeah. Like you don't want to feel like you need your partner for everything. Probably, I don't know. Like it's like I can handle this by myself. You know, there's a strong drive for a disabled person to feel independent and not feel like they need people's help. And I've always had that. I've always had a weird, like, Superman, bigger, faster, stronger mentality. Like, I'm going to do things my own way, and I'm not going to need the help of society or people taking care of me. Of course, like, when I pay people, it's different. (laughs) I never want my disability to be a burden on the relationship. I never want Jonathan to feel like he has to do something extra for me because I'm disabled. Like, and because my case is so mild, we kind of have gotten away with that. Like, I I have, like... I haven't needed him to do anything for me. I mean, besides like occasionally tie my shoes. But really? yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because I can't tie my shoes. Um, so, <laughs> but typically I wear like chic loafers and like, or like I have like weird like Nikes that like I've worn every day that just like won't become untied no matter what. They're just like glued together. But yeah, like when I get a new pair of shoes, he actually has to tie them the first few days and stuff like that. It's not comfortable for me to be in that position where I'm needing someone's help. It's like, it's very triggering. It reminds me of like my childhood and being in physical therapy and having my parents dote on me and needing them for everything. It's it's a loss of control, which I think is my biggest trigger is like, I'm such a huge control freak. And I think that does stem from being born in a body that I could not control. 
That makes total sense. So how does it feel then to have to be vulnerable in that way and, and have your boyfriend stretching you? Does it, is it what it, you thought? No, I mean, I think it feels weird for like a second and you're like, okay, this is like kind of embarrassing. He's having to, you know, but then I think you just kind of have to surrender because it is what it is. And I would rather have him stretch me than feel tight as fuck. So it's like, well, what are my options here? It is very sweet and he gets into it and he really likes doing it. And like, he also like spots me for my crunches every morning and it gets excited. And it's always like, do one more, you can do it. <laughs> He's like a little cheerleader. <laughs> and it's all very endearing. But again, like, I think like what the, the quarantine has kind of put in perspective is that I remember like when I was 25, uh, Hurricane Sandy happened in New York City and my apartment lost power for a week. And like, I had no boyfriend. I was like addicted to drugs and it was like a total shit show. Like I was just like bouncing from like friends' apartments to friends' apartments. And like my life was such a mess, you know, and it became like, it became so clear when Hurricane Sandy happened where I was like, oh, like, my friends, my friend group is not as tight as I thought. I have no boyfriend. You know, I'm like weirdly popping Adderall every day for no reason. Like what is going on? And then having this happen, you know, at age 33, I feel very proud of the choices I've made in my life. Like I feel very proud of like my brain letting me be with someone as delightful as Jonathan and like knowing that I picked well and that we picked each other well and that we really are suited to be together um, it's really made that again, like I've always felt that I've never doubted it, but it's been really, really like in HD since quarantine has happened, you know, and just like really enjoying my apartment and like, you know, really being an okay place in my career where I'm not too worried about how things are going to go down. I mean, obviously I, I am, but things are definitely more stable, um, than the last, you know, and it, it, I just, even though they're not comparable hurricane Sandy in this, but it is the last time that my life was thrown out of balance and I could not control. I don't know. I'm just, I'm very proud of myself because I spent a, a large portion of my life, a, a mess, a very self-destructive mess. And, um, I think, you know, by golly, I kind of figured it out. Thank God. And that all makes sense. When you were talking about, I didn't want him to help me stretch or, or any of these things because it reminds me when I was a little kid. And I think that we have these triggers ingrained in us from when we're little, just like, I don't like that. I don't want that. This is not my life. Like for me, domesticity was a big part of that. Like I grew up you know, in upstate New York, my parents met in high school and we lived in this like beautiful, you know, town in the Hudson Valley, but it's very like small town. Like everybody knows everybody's business. And I guess I just in a very reactive way was like, I'm not going to be my parents. Like I'm going to live like a cool, interesting life and I'm going to travel and I'm going to be like in some polyamorous relationship that I hate. And like, I, I always, I had this kind of naive idea like domesticity means the end of eroticism it means that you're boring it means that like it means a lack of independence I guess and I think I associated it with just feeling trapped like that feeling of trappedness I had in my small town it's interesting how I was so resistant to these things in this blatantly reactionary way it wasn't because I tried it out and didn't like it it was because I was like well my parents that's something my parents do so I don't want to do that it reminds me of being little and it's funny how we don't like check ourselves. Like we just have these like blatant 
sort of childish tantrum like reactive ways that we live our lives and we don't now that we're forced to slow down and exam like we're fo- i'm being forced into dom- domesticity basically and then i'm like oh right this isn't so bad there's something really grounding about it also just like slowing down it's weird that it takes fully a global pandemic to get you out of your routine and also just like your default way of thinking which often goes unexamined when you're out running your triggers and working so hard to have your life look like this one thing that wasn't the thing that you grew up with, I think everything kind of becomes very like binary. And I think the great thing about becoming an adult and more settled in yourself is like, there's, you're not trying to prove anything anymore. And like you, the, the reality is that you could have any kind of life that you want. Like you can have the, the interesting, weird life but you can also make eggplant parm for your boyfriend and the two are like, don't cancel each other out. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, right, exactly, it's like, yes. It's like truly like we contain multitudes and like we can have any kind of version of life that we want. I also think in a very basic way, like before this pandemic, I think, you know, it was very go, 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 technology, technology, no one's connecting really, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's on their phones. And this is very like, back to fucking basics in a way that we have never really experienced or we haven't really experienced in a long time. It reminds me of like being a kid before the internet and like being eight years old and like having these big, you know, chunks of time where I could do kind of whatever I wanted. What about sex? Pandemic Oh my God. Um (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about it. Initially I was not having it. So here's what happened. So like I was shooting my show and then like when I'm shooting, I'm not fucking, that's just like, that's what's happening. Like I'm working like fucking 16 hour days. I'm literally like a corpse. I'm like, truly, I'm truly like, I have nothing left to give. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, a sh- I'm a shell of a human. We weren't fucking. And then this happened and I was super depressed at first and I was in, not in the mood to bone whatsoever. And then I think this is like a cycle that me and Jonathan get into where like we'll go a stretch of time without having sex and then it becomes like a thing and it becomes like a big like we're like why are we not having sex what's going on what's happening like what's like da 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 and it had been like five weeks or something like that and we were just it was just like the elephant in the room like that we weren't fucking and now that we had this huge quarantine we had no reasons not to fuck right because we had so much time eventually we just had sex and it was amazing and now we have sex like four times a week (laughs) and that is are you fucking kidding you really buried the lead on this well no this is this is literally how it always happens like anytime we go through a stretch of not fucking again it becomes it's like it's so it's like deja vu like it's fucking crazy it's like okay, oh, why are we not having sex? We should be having sex. And the fact that we're not having sex, like, why are we not having sex? And it becomes like this fucking spiral. And all it takes is just us having sex to be like, oh my God, that's amazing. I love having sex with you. And then we're like, oh my God, great. We should do this more often. And then we do. And then we're back to normal. It's been this way for like the last two years. Sex does become different the longer you're with someone and you you just don't have it as much. The rumors are true. And if you're the exception to the rule, great, but don't tell anyone about it. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, I've become so horny in pandemic times. Like, not only am I having sex with my boyfriend four times a week, I'm usually jerking off 
every day and occasionally sending nudes to strangers on apps. Like that's literally like, <laughs> I have like literally like so many like boxes to check. Like it's just like, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm still like, I'm still insatiable. I'm still like, give me, give me more. Like, you know, I, I don't, and I'm just hashtag grateful for the sex drive. Cause like I didn't have one first couple weeks and that was truly devastating and now I just like want to come all the time so I love that for me can I have a hot take here about your sex life yeah so I think that in long-term relationships sex the sex in your relationship becomes a lot more to do with where you are as a couple than it does about you know how hot the other person looks in their jeans or whatever like at the beginning of a relationship your sex life I think is less intertwined with your actual lives or your love for that person you are more able to objectify them and yeah like you said like sex changes over the course of a relationship so while I still think my boyfriend is incredibly hot obviously and I definitely can objectify him sometimes to be like I love the way that you look in that outfit um when our relation when we're in a good place in our relationship I feel so much more sexually like turned off like just like my sexuality is on like the green light is on and I feel better about myself and we feel more connected so I think that it's not a mystery why you're having better sex as you feel more connected like that there might literally be a something to the fact that you have to be vulnerable with him during these stretching that affects your sexuality and that him being able to feel like he can provide that thing to you also might have something to do with him feeling good and and being able to feel sexy having him cook and do all these things is so hot like it is definitely a turn on i mean this is like not chic to admit but like i think i did have some sort of like resentments over him like not being able to drive and not being able to cook and being like okay well you know that it's like hard for me to do those things like i can't drive and i can't really cook or like whatever like so like why don't you do them like you don't have a disability like you like that also just goes deeper into like you know people who have able bodies and have no disabilities i'm like it's this like unfair expectation i have on them where i'm like you should be using your body to like as much as you can because you can do it you know and i feel like i'm always fighting through things and i'm always trying to like milk the last little dregs that my body can give me to like you know and then i see people like who are just perfectly fine and have all the resources and then they don't do anything and i'm like what the fuck you don't know how lucky you are you know which is like not fair obviously that's like not a fair expectation to place on anybody everyone can have their own relationship with their body and it's whatever but like i think i did have these kind of resentments about him not doing those things when he could and having him really again like deliver and become this like domestic diva is so hot to me like it just is and it's like you know what it is it like it, it proves that he's like capable you know what I mean and he's like a provider and I think that I think that is just like inherently sexy I'm really happy for you guys Oh my god, thank you. Well, we really, really, really appreciate this. I'll text you later. All right, I'll talk to you later, honey. Smooch. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm very flattered. Love and Quarantine is created and produced by me, Carly Shortino, and Rachel Rapkin. Produced in partnership with Blue Duck Media. See you next time.